0: The stars are right and that means it's time for another episode of the whisper in darkness i'm your host the man from lang thank you very much for joining me today on this episode we are continuing with the reviews of the player cards in the scarlet keys investigator expansion this is our look at the neutral cards in this episode we are going to discuss tool belt refine flashlight level three and soul sanctification there are spoilers throughout if you care about that sort of thing if you enjoy what you hear remember to like comment and subscribe before we get started, a quick reminder of how we rate cards here on the Whisper in Darkness: the best of the best get an Elder sign, while the worst of the worst get an auto fail, and the cards in between get a plus one, zero, or elder thing respectively. Cards that you build around or cards that are good in one particular deck get a blessed token, while cards that we believe are destined to end up on the list of taboos or are simply bad for the big game get a curse token. Before we get started, I'd like to thank the patrons of this channel for their tremendous support. You all rock. If you'd like to be amazing like these people and support the channel's goals and see your name on this list, head over to Patreon.com, sign up for a tier of your choice, and claim your rewards. That would be awesome. Special thanks to Cole Monroe Chitty, Nicole Fiscus, and Nate Lost in Time and Space for their contributions to the channel. I couldn't do it without you. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back everyone to our reviews of the player cards in the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion. We are going to take a look at the neutral cards in this episode. We're going to start things off with Tool Belt. It is a two-cost asset with a willpower skill icon, item, and clothing trait. Each attached asset takes up no slots and its text box is treated as if it were blank except for traits. As a free-triggered ability, you can exhaust Toolbelt. Choose one. Attach a tool asset in your play area to Toolbelt. Switch a tool asset in your play area with an attached asset or detach an attached asset. Toolbelt takes up a body slot. So there are about 40 tools in the game in all classes except Mystic. Mystics don't have any tools. At least five of those tools are signatures three of which are in this box. You have uh, I believe the bone saw for Vincent, the grappling hook for Kaimani and uh, Daryl's camera are all tools. What do you think about this one?
1: So this is so I guess this is kind of like you know bandolier for um, but for tools. So I admit ducks like, like cards like this. I do have an initial reservation about them because it leads to the problem of you have to draw the tool belt before you you know before you can play all your tools. And if you don't draw your tool belt, then your whole tool belt deck isn't going to work and you're going to run out of hand slots. Bandolier suffers from this same problem as well. Say you want to have a two-handed weapon and a magnifying glass. Well, you got to draw the bandolier and play the bandolier before you can put your magnifying glass down or else you're going to run out of slots. So I admit, I do have an initial reservation about it. So yeah, with tool belt though, let's take a look at the tools, shall we? I think that would give us ideas um, of what we would use it for. I want to look for a tool layout, what combination of tools is worth like four hand slots and is worth actually playing two belt for. So, I mean, um, we look at it already and we see things like you got like Daryl's Kodak, cryptographic cipher. These are useful for, um, you know, like clue discovery. And then I guess you can combine, you can like have weapons in the offhand. So, here's a question, Mr. Lang. Like, what do you need be- besides just a clue getting tool and like a weapon? Like, what would be the third hand slot?
0: Yeah, I've seen the the use case for this being like say you have your clue discovery tool in one hand and your two-handed mm-hmm. weapon in the other and so you're swapping between the two of those. So you use your you use your clue discovery tool and then you swap to your two-handed weapon when you need to fight. My issue with that is that if I'm using a two-handed weapon, I am usually using some other way to discover clues besides another tool. Sure. So I'm using, I'm cheating clues using events or stuff like that. So I don't need the tool belt to help me in that case. This is especially true in Survivor who have plenty of ways of of cheating clues. Perhaps not in in so much in other classes, but definitely Survivor has all sorts of things that they can do to to get clues without needing actual hand slots to to use tools.
1: Yeah, I'm looking over to the tools right now. And yeah, most of them, most of the tools just seem to fall into the category of being like clue tools. So I guess here's a question. So you have magnifying glass, which does a thing even without activating it. Like, do you think magnifying glass alone is worth packing tool tool belt? No. I,
0: no. Okay. No. I mean, I have seen some people propose like tricky plays, like, okay, I've got two copies of lockpicks. So one on my tool oh, belt, and you can, one on right. my person, so I can swap the two. So you you're basically them. getting two lockpicks per turn, or but you can again, just
1: play two lockpicks and have that be your two hand slots.
0: And yeah. but see, that's never been really an issue with me, where it's like, okay, yeah. I need two uses of lockpicks per turn because again, yeah. I'm playing yeah. other cards to get me those clues that I need, and so I don't yeah. need something like this in order to facilitate
1: that i guess is the so the the so the tools that i'm looking at now beyond your weapon and your um clue tool what are some like really really like esoteric tools that could be like situationally useful i'm thinking like pocket telescope you know potentially very useful and you know situationally to a lesser extent ice pick no that's just good in general that's your clue tool let's see but you got the grappling hook you've got um i can see silas is a net justifying going on there because that's an evasion tool yes there's not a lot of tools that i think just that from looking around here seem to justify like adding a whole nother card and having to draw that whole nother card but it's one of those where i'm glad it's in the game much like bandolier so you're not it's not like a showstopper you know the fact that you have this deck and you have like six hand slot items and you know you want to play them i can see a lot of like synergy if you want to go down the geared up strategy you know where you play a lot of items so i can see that working out yeah other than that it seems pretty it seems very specific to a deck that probably doesn't need to load up that much but if you do you've got the option
0: yeah i think when i was looking through the list of tools i sort of ran into the same situation that you did where i'm like okay so i'm playing tool belt for what Tools. Why do I need this? And nothing really jumped out at me as as being like, okay, here's here's the thing I'm using Tool Belt for. I was like, well I'm mm-hmm. sorta of, if I'm gonna play these tools, I'm not gonna get all tricksy with them. I'm just gonna use them and go from there.
1: Although there's some hilarious chainsaw and uh, sledgehammer, you know, illustrations there you can have. You know, you got the chainsaw on your belt.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that might be the Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, like using a two handed weapon in solo can be somewhat challenging,
1: true, yeah,
0: so maybe tool belt mm-hmm. helps out in that circumstance it, it it is nice that the swap is is a free triggered ability, so
1: true.
0: you're not mm-hmm. losing any actions
1: doing that,
0: so mm-hmm. how would you rate this one,
1: okay, given that you can't play items directly to directly on the tool belt? Okay, so you got to do some juggling to get it started. Okay, and it's pretty specific. Okay, so we're looking like so we're looking at a situation where you're like solo or two player maybe, and see where you like need to have all three things going. Wow, this is pretty specific. But I don't think it's like this isn't like make the whole deck work. This isn't a bless. I'm glad it's in the game though. So I'm gonna give it a zero for what it does. It's not gonna go in a lot of decks, but it does do what it does pretty efficiently. Like unlike bandolier, you get your one hand slot and that's it. Okay, and then you still might have to do some juggle if you want to like push it to the limit. But at least with tool belt like you could stow an infinite amount of tools on there if you really want to. So it's a little less, yeah, it's a little less um, fiddly than like bandolier. So yeah, I'll, I'll give it a zero. Like I wouldn't play this very often, although uh, I'm kind of liking the uh, synergy with crafty. You know, to use your uh, use your tools. You know, with plus two every turn. That seems like fun. Yeah, I'll give it a zero.
0: I'm going to go Elder Thing on this one. I don't know if I'll ever play this card, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It it seems to solve a problem that I haven't really had. Now, maybe yeah. I haven't played a, a dedicated tool deck, but the list of tools hasn't really inspired me to do that either. So I could see playing this... In that deck, if if you're really going all in on tools, then this might give you a solution to that. But I think for the most part, if if it's just to swap between, say, your fighting tool and your investigating tool, I have other solutions to that problem that don't involve Mm -hmm. that don't rely on tool belt. So this card just won't. I just won't play it. So. The next card is Refine. It is a three-cost event with willpower and agility skill icons, supply and double trait. As an additional cost to play Refine, spend an action, immediately mark a checkbox on an upgrade sheet for a customizable card you own, even if it is not in play, max once per game for each investigator. So you're essentially spending a card, three resources, and two actions for one XP... On a uh, customizable card unlike the other uh, XP generating cards in this game you get the XP immediately so if your hunter's armor wasn't doing something before suddenly it is doing that thing that may be relevant it may not be now I was looking at uh, some of the decks that were playing the customizable cards and this one seemed to be a two of in in most of those decks I feel like this one is a lot easier to pull off in multiplayer than, than in solo, though. Simply because of that two-action tax, that is pretty significant in a, in a solo game. I just usually don't have the time to commit mm-hmm. to that sort, of, uh, that sort of strategy. What do you think about this one?
1: I would absolutely never play two of this because you can only play it once per game. So like if you draw the second copy, it is complete. It's useless except for the icons. Plus, most classes have like XP generating cards. So like, would you play this over delve too deep? Probably not. Would you play this over let God sort them out? Probably not. Yeah, like it's really it's it's expensive and it's slow. The one thing it does have going for it is that it has the supply tree. So you can attach it on your stick to the plan. You know, for guardian, which is a very XP hungry you know class and you can find it with uh, Backpack level two. So it's got that going for it. And I do like the, the case where you attach it on your stick to the plan, and then you never have to worry about, like, getting a dead draw. If you manage to get a chance to play Refine, you play the Refine, and then you're good. You don't have to worry about drawing it and it being a dead draw for you. So that's I think that's the one thing it has going for it. Other than that, I, I'm personally not a big fan of, like, trying to break the XP curve unless it's Sharon's Oval because then it's hilarious
0: the the thing that really kind of annoys me about this card is that once again here we have a card that generates XP which is easier to play in multiplayer where you need you don't really need as much XP because you have true
1: easier ways
0: to get it i mean you could it's like okay the four of us are just going to go to all the victory point locations and kill all the victory point monsters so we're already getting more xp than the than the solo player is so it's really the solo player who needs the help catching up on the xp and here's another card that they just that really doesn't help yeah it kind of brings us
1: back to some of our discussions in the past about xp boosting cards like in the thick of it for example i hate that card so much because it's so it's just so easy to play. I really wish in the thick of it was like True Solo only. Because True Solo needs the help and multiplayer doesn't. You're just trying to lap the scenario at that point. So yeah, I would like never play this. But I think it's like costed enough. It's costed like high enough, mainly in the two actions, that it's like, I don't want it. I don't think it's like breaking the game. Even that XP effects already exist and are okay.
0: How would you rate this one?
1: Um, For the most part, I'd say Elder Thing. But I will... Asterisk that by saying I do like the use case of putting it on your stick to the plan, even in a solo guardian, because you're, there's no real cost to that. Like, yeah, you know, because stick to the plan already is pretty good for having situational events on it anyway. So you put it on your stick to the plan, and if you happen to get a chance to play refine, even as a solo guardian, good, you play it and you get an XP for it. But if you don't get a chance, you don't lose anything. So I'd say elder thing except and with that asterisk.
0: I'm going to go elder thing as well. I I will probably not a lot. play this. Oh. <laughs> I will probably not play this card. It's just way too resource and action intensive uh, for yeah. me. I think there're probably even better options to stack on stick to the plan than oh, a card that oh. I'm hoping I'm going to cross my fingers Hope that I find two actions at some point in the game where I can take the foot off the gas and and basically do nothing for a turn to gain an XP that I have to spend on a, on a customizable card. It's not like you're just right. getting a, a generic XP that you can spend on anything. You have to spend it on a customizable card, which means you're playing customizable cards, and then you have to—and then it really depends on what you're getting for that XP— Mm-hmm. in terms of of the customizables. So unlikely that I will uh, be playing this one but uh, if you are playing customizable cards and you uh, have some customizable card that you need to spend 6 7 8 9 10 XP on and you're playing in multiplayer then this will uh, help you reach that uh, reach that level.
1: But then again, if you have the time to spend two actions and three resources if you're if you're do if your your team is doing that well do you really need the xp at that point you're already beating the game
0: you're probably doing pretty well if you uh yeah. if you have the resources and time to uh to spend on this yeah. thing so maybe a little bit of a win more
1: win more that's exactly my thought without that was the word i could not find
0: the next card is Flashlight Level 3. It is a 2-cost asset with a uh, Intellect and Agility skill icon, item, and tool trait. Uses 4 supplies as a reaction when you perform a skill test while investigating or attempting to evade. Supply Spend 1 supply. This test gets minus 2 difficulty, and it uh, takes up a hand slot. This card was designed by the Council in Exile at uh, Arkham Knights uh, 2020. So this has some uh, some big differences between this and its uh, level zero counterpart from uh, the core set. You get an extra agility skill icon, which is sort of expected, given that uh, you can now help evade with this one. And you can use it to evade and not just investigate. Perhaps the, the most significant difference is that this is now a reaction and not an action, yeah. which is pretty huge. Because now this works with all the other Investigate cards, which was one of the downsides of Flashlight. It was like, okay, you need to take an action to use the Flashlight, and it didn't combo with any of the other cards you had. Now this one does. Obviously, this synergizes with the uh, Difficulty Zero decks that uh, Daryl, among others, are interested in playing. I guess the only downside I can see to this one is that uh, you're spending three XP, which is pretty significant, but you're not getting any extra clues out of the deal. So, unlike some of the other true. XP cards at this level, you're, I think, you're really paying for that to, that evade. What do you think about this one?
1: I agree. Also, one thing that's worth noting is you do get a fourth supply out of it, which is true, not completely insignificant. Okay, so you so you get an additional charge. And you can stack it with other investigate tools. All right. Yeah. So of course I'm thinking back to my uh, my good friend fingerprint kit, for example. Yeah. So this kind of, so this kind of thing kind of goes along with um, a lot of the decks I like to play, very generalist decks. Um, and I like how this flashlight upgrade it's also pretty generalist because you can use it on evasion as well as um, investigation. If you're even if you're playing like a full on seeker, like without trying to do the difficulty zero stuff, I like how this act acts as a defensive tool. Because there are a decent amount of enemies with low evade scores. you can use this flashlight to like zero out an evade test, which is actually pretty nice, you know, so you don't have to like rely on someone else to engage the enemy off of you. Like that's pretty good, I'd say. That being said, x three XP is a bit steep. I think I think this has a pretty powerful effect. Would I put it in like every deck? Actually, I would consider it. I would consider this in a lot of decks actually. It's really cheap at two resources. And has a pretty universal effect, both offensive, you know, as in discovering clues and defensive as in dealing with with enemies. So this is like a pretty nice card. It's a little expensive xP wise, which kind of gives me pause. but I don't really have any complaints about this. Yeah, plus, I like the idea of being able to like combo this with winging it, you know, to like zero out the to zero out the shroud and then you just, gain two clues that way and the reason why i say winging it is because that's a very low effort clue acceleration tool because you just you literally play it out of the discard you don't have to spend any actions putting down assets you have to like you don't really have to commit to it so if i already have a flashlight just for like the evasion you know and then i then i can just throw winging it out there that's kind of nice actually yeah, I have like no complaints about this card. I think it's actually like pretty decent.
0: Yeah, I really like the fact that this is a reaction now. I, I think back yeah. to playing Where Doom Awaits and
1: uh, Oh how no, right. you have to take <laughs> the action
0: on the location card yeah. in order to get the clues. Yeah. And you can't use flashlight on that. And so if you are relying on flashlight to get you clues, suddenly that location is a is a very significant barrier to your deck and flashlight level three helps with that a great deal which is uh which is nice
1: between this and guard dog i think the council and exile did a pretty good job so it turns out that there was an upside to the pandemic we got good community design cards
0: that's true some of the community design cards are uh collecting dust in my uh my box so uh
1: oh i've been playing burn after reading lately I like Burn After Reading. It's very, it's, uh, it's. I've been playing it lately. I -hmm. like it.
0: How would you uh, rate Flashlight Level 3?
1: So I have no complaints about this card. I think it's pretty good. But given that it's 3 XP, I think that knocks it down to a zero for me. I think it's fine. I think it does what it does. It's a little pricey XP-wise, so I wouldn't be like in a hurry to place it in decks. But I, I think it's pretty good. So um, I'll give it a 0.
0: Yeah, I think the, the 3 XP cost on this one knocks it down to a 0 for me as well. I'd really like to give this one a plus 1, and I think if it cost 2 XP, it would be an easy plus oh, yeah. 1, which might be oh, yeah. part of the problem because then <laughs> suddenly it it becomes ubiquitous. Obviously, if you're playing a difficulty 0 deck, this one is... Probably, you know, plus one, possibly higher, possibly even Elder Sign territory for that one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you get extra supply, you get an extra evade. There's really not not a great deal to uh, complain about uh, with this one. And uh, hey, it uh, synergizes with tool belt as well. So uh, if you want to, uh, if you're looking for high quality tools... I would recommend this uh, I would this say that. flashlight. It's a high
1: quality tool, yeah, high quality. To, uh, to stack on your tool belt.
0: The final neutral card in the box is Soul Sanctification. It is a, a permanent asset that costs three XP. It is also exceptional, so it will cost you six XP. It has the ritual trait. For every point of damage and/or horror you heal in excess of an investigator's current damage or horror. Place one resource on Soul Sanctification as an offering. This still counts as healing. As a free triggered ability, you may spend one offering. You get plus two skill value for this test. Limit twice per test. So this is, uh, I guess, something of a capstone for those uh, investigators who are interested in healing, either uh, damage or horror. So if you're playing somebody like Carolyn... Or Vincent, who uh, naturally lend themselves to healing uh, horror or damage in that case. This can provide up to plus four on uh, any skill test, which is pretty significant oh. as a free triggered ability, which is nice. It only heals, it only benefits you if you're healing investigators. You can't use this to yes. heal allies, which may be a knock because. against it.
1: There's a really good reason for that, though, Um, because the way you read it, because it's... Okay, so it's in excess. All right, here's the thing. Technically, you can trigger Peter Sylvester if he has no horror on him. It just doesn't do anything. But if they left off the investigator word here, then healing Peter Sylvester, even when he has no horror on him, would do something. And I think that alone is probably why they had to specify investigator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've made it pretty clear what I think about most of the healing cards in this game. Here's a card that rewards you for playing all of those cards or just playing a healing strategy. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what to think about this one. I mean, the benefit is pretty good. I can see the the pros to being in that situation where you're going to be healing everybody anyway. And some investigators are going to benefit more. And if you do end up overhealing, you get some benefit in the end to help you on any skill test, which is certainly, certainly valuable. I can also see the argument where that people have made that it's like, well, why are you wasting your time overhealing in the first place? Which is sort of where I would probably land on this one. If you're if you've got the time to overheal, then. You're already doing pretty well.
1: Okay, so let's consider this this scenario, which comes up a strange amount. Let's say you you've got a uh, got a hallowed mirror on the board, and you've got your um soothing melody in hand. With this on the board, even if it does nothing, it is zero resources, spend an action, draw a card, gain plus four to a skill test. That's not bad. Like that's pretty decent, because that's like four almost like four resources worth of uh you know, worth of benefit. You know, if you want to like use the one resource equals plus one scale, like that's pretty good. That's like just perfect, you know, for, you know, value for actions there. So what this does is this takes away the downside of playing healing at all for the most part is that you might end up in a situation where you're overhealing. But in that case, you've got soul sanctification coming in to like save you. So it means you don't have any wasted effort anymore. You don't have dead draws. I think that's where they're going with this. I admit, three. Uh, six XP is a lot, though. But at least what this does is it, like, takes away the punishment of, like, trying to help your follow, fellow man, which, which is pretty good, I'd say. I like, I like this card. Kind of, it spawns new builds. And it's another one of those great cards that I really like because it makes me go back and think of cards in a new light. You know what I mean? I like it when cards do that.
0: Yeah. I, uh,. I'm a bit of a, at a loss with this one simply because as a solo player I'm not usually playing a dedicated healing deck. And even if I was to play in multiplayer, I'm probably not the one who's playing the, the dedicated healing deck. So it's hard for me to judge exactly how good this card is. I mean, I do like the the ability you get out of it, so that's a plus.
1: So even in like a solo situation, this doesn't seem that bad because those offerings can be spent for any test, so like of any attribute, which is pretty nice. That being said, 6 XP is a lot, you know, for like a solo player.
0: That is a a very steep cost, especially mm-hmm. in solo where you simply yeah. tend to gain less XP than you do in in multiplayer. So yeah. Spending six XP on something like this, it would really have to ratchet up your deck.
1: You might be able to get to the point where you have enough of a healing engine built up that you're getting plus two on every skill test you take, which is a lot because you're generating that many offerings. You know, because it's for every point that you overheal, that's pretty good.
0: So, how would you rate this one?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, it's specific enough that it's a bless because you can build around this i think especially the easy ones are carolyn and vincent because i noticed they fiddled the language enough to make it really good for carolyn and vincent because note how they have that sentence at the end this still counts as healing so that means that you can trigger carolyn and vincent on someone who's fully healed where you couldn't before because you couldn't heal damage that didn't exist that didn't exist well, you could, but it wouldn't count as healing. But now that this makes it count as healing, it's like, okay, so anything else that triggers off of healing, suddenly, works here. So yeah, this this is a really specific. I think it makes the build. I think it. Uh, and I and I like how it um kind of opens up other cards that you know we used to play and, well, not used to play. Sorry, that we overlooked. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of fun that can be had here.
0: Yeah, this one gets a bless from me as well. I. I don't see myself ever playing this outside of a, either a dedicated healing whore or damage deck. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably play around with it in, in other types of builds, but to me yeah. that's... Like, if you're looking for skill test bonuses, I think there are probably easier ways to get it than spending 6 XP. And sure. Having that healing architecture in your deck in order to to fire it,
1: it's something that's worth that might be worth uh, looking at here. Because I'm starting to think, all right, what if I had a build that wasn't really a heal build, but had enough incidental healing? So I'm thinking things like um, one of the upgrades of Runic Axe lets you heal a da- like lets you heal a damage or horror when you defeat an enemy. I wonder if it's possible to generate to have like enough incidental healing. That you can use soul sanctification to basically power up your skill tests just incidentally. oh, fearless, like you play fearless in um, you know as like a skill card, heals you a horror. Okay, so I add a willpower to a test, heal myself a horror that I don't have, and then get a plus two to it to you know an upcoming test. I, I think there might be something there.
0: And mystics have plenty of XP left over after they down the rabbit hole arcane oh
1: yeah arcane yeah. research and everything all right down the rabbit hole and now they've got um i mean of course they've got in the thick of it because you know so broken and um and, and now they've got what's it refine to refine their living ink to make their tattoos more intricate
0: that's going to do it for our look at the neutral cards in the scarlet keys investigator expansion let us know in the comments down below what you think any uh final thoughts uh matastrophic some actually some pretty Good neutral cards in in this batch. I uh, I always like to see neutral cards because they tend to open up builds in in a whole variety of investigators rather than just uh, restricted to class. And uh, we certainly have a, a few good ones here.
1: I think the flashlight level three. That that's I like that. that they did a pretty good job with that one. That and I like how uh, soul sanctification like opens up new strategies. I mean I'm not the big also I'm not the biggest fan of tool belt, but I'm glad it exists. So. Um, yeah, I'm glad it's there. It lets you do that, even if it's even if it's not something I personally would do very often. not a big fan of Refine, though. I'm not a big fan of, X, of like, win more XP cards in general.
0: That's gonna do it for this episode. If you enjoyed what you hear, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. If you need to contact me, I can be reached at manfromlang at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at manfromlang. Until the stars are right, keep your shotgun close and your elder sign closer. Take care out there, and happy investigating.